Welcome. The parish is a church community in Alpharetta, Georgia, practicing the way of Jesus for the sake of others. Talks like these are just one part of how we gather to be deeply reshaped by Jesus. So we invite you to join us any Sunday morning for a full church gathering. You can find more information or contact us by visiting our website at parishanglican.org. All right, all right. Go ahead and find your way back to your seats, and we're going to transition into our time of teaching and scripture. We don't have a scripture reading this morning, but we'll have some scripture come through the sermon time, and, uh, and so we'll dive into that in just a moment. I'm so excited for next week. Um, it's going to be a really special gathering for All Saints Day. We've got some fun interactive things up our sleeve, and, uh, and then I do want to encourage you, as Andy said also, it is not just a time for kids or a time for families. Our hope is that this is a time for our family, the family of the parish, to have extended relaxed time to just connect with one another, so it'll be an abbreviated service. So make plans to stay for a little bit afterwards next Sunday, and I think that'll be a, a fun time for our community. Um, and uh, so with that said, let's dive into what we have uh, in our sermon time today, I think most of us are caught up on what we've been thinking about throughout this entire fall. How might we as a church understand the work that God has called us as a people to? Um, and how might we build a big enough table to hold up the great feast God invites us to, and how might we understand the specific things God invites us to? And we've been looking at that fourfold invitation from Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus says, come to me, walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. And we're moving into that final table leg, the watch how I do it piece, as Sarah just said. And we're asking ourselves the question, what does it look like to live a spirit dependent life, a life deeply dependent on the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, watch how I do it. Well, how did Jesus do it? If we ask ourselves that question, well, we see that Jesus did it, and we introduced this idea a few weeks ago uh, through what I'm coining as a father-dependent life, that Jesus says, I tell you, the son does nothing on his own. Like, what if we took that seriously? Like, Jesus lived a life in which he does nothing on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. And I don't think that means that we have to hear a voice from on high before we take any action in life. I think what it means is that our eyes are set on the way of the Father that we might be mimicking, imitating the way of, that we see our Father living, that we see the Son living, uh, we go and do likewise, right? And to be discerning moment by moment, what is God inviting us into? And so just as Jesus lived a Father-dependent life, we have access into that via the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says uh, that, that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. We are invited into a spirit-dependent life. And just as Jesus would not do anything without the Father, so he tells his early followers, I don't want you to do anything without the Holy Spirit. He says in Acts chapter 1, to not leave Jerusalem. In other words, don't go out 
to do the work I've commissioned you to do. He's just told them you're going to go out of Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, but not, not yet. Wait until you receive the promise of the Father. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so the Holy Spirit, the love of God poured out into our hearts is the guide, is the inner compass, is God's presence with us that we might live a life always with God. And we mimic the way of Jesus as we tune our lives into the frequency of the Holy Spirit. We learn to listen. We learn to cooperate cooperate with God through the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, it's interesting, uh, the word for spirit in Hebrew is feminine. And uh, the word in Greek is uh, kind of neither feminine nor masculine. And then in other places, Jesus uses the word parakletos, which is masculine. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is represented in both feminine and masculine terms in Scripture. And uh, I think that can be really healing for some of us, that we might lean into what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to mother us and father us in this way. And so a picture's worth a thousand words. We've just tried to lay that out scripturally, but I want to lay it out visually for us as well. And uh, we're going to talk about four elements of the Holy Spirit today. They all start with the letter P. So if you are in camp awesome alliteration. This one is for you. You're welcome. And uh, we start with the word perichoresis. Perichoresis. Peri means around. Choresis, where we get the word choreography. And the phrase perichoresis comes to us from the church fathers and mothers, and it means a circle dance. A circle dance. And that's what's represented here in this piece of art. You've seen us probably use this often. It's, for my money, the greatest piece of Christian art that's ever been produced. Not that I'm an expert in such things, but I find this to be deeply, deeply meaningful. There's all kinds of symbolism and imagery baked in here that we won't have time to explore. But at its most basic, what we have here is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're sitting around a big enough table. And if you look at the motion of their bodies and the movement of their heads, it is as if they are rotating around that table in a circle dance. They are moving together. They are operating together. The love and the community that they hold together is overflowing into a sharedness of life where it might rightly be said that the three are one and the one are three. And if we look at the chalice in the center there, there's an open space. It's open for you and I that we might join the dance, that we might get in on the action, that God in his goodness has created a world where like we are invited in to the movements of this grace, that we might join the circle dance. And so uh, we're gonna lean into that today. How might we practice awareness of a lived, ever-present connection to God? Uh, over the last 2,000 years, there are certain church traditions that have really done this well They've really emphasized the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and so we want to explore some of that just as we've explored other parts of church traditions. We've talked about the contemplative traditions and the evangelical traditions and the social justice traditions and the holiness traditions. And we want to say yes to all of it. That's part of building a big enough table. Today we're going to explore a little bit of what the charismatic and Pentecostal traditions have to offer us. Uh, there is a word, pneumatikos, which is the things of the Spirit. Pneumaticos, the things of the Spirit. What might it look like for us to emphasize the things of the Holy Spirit? And for some of us, 
leaning into the Pentecostal or charismatic tradition might seem really foreign. It might not be part of your church experience, and that's okay. We tend to spend a lot of time here at the parish thinking about contemplative spirituality, and so you might be more accustomed to things like breath prayer that we did earlier, or centering prayer, or silent prayer, whereas charismatic prayer might look more like prayer for inner healing, prayer for physical healing, prophetic words of insight on how we might cooperate with the Spirit. It might look like praying in tongues when the ache that is in our hearts goes beyond rational words. We want to pray in all of these ways. And, and pray in balance in all of these ways. And so if that's foreign to you, I want to encourage you to lean in. Uh, for others of us, it's not only a foreign tradition, it is a loaded tradition. Uh, it is a challenging tradition in the sense of maybe you have some experience that was painful or that was hurtful in these kind of church traditions. And you might be like, I don't want to lean on that table leg, thank you very much. I'm good. Give me the other table legs. Uh, I get it. I grew up in the charismatic tradition, and I have seen deeply good and deeply toxic things. And all of the church traditions are, in fact, this way. The, the gifts and the pitfalls of different ways of expressing our faith are really two sides of the same coin. The very strength, when overemphasized, becomes a weakness, becomes a pitfall, becomes out of balance. Uh, and so we want to try to find healthy balance. That's what I love about Anglican spirituality. There's this middle way to hold it all together, gathered around Jesus, who holds all of us together. And uh, so just as the evangelical table leg can become a bit unbalanced and extreme when it's seen as uh, its desire to, say, uh, to experience salvation or to offer salvation becomes manifest in triumphalism, right? And then we go, how did we end up in a culture war? Well, we ended up on the shadow side of that gift, right? And uh, the contemplative tradition, when overemphasized, can lead to just me and Jesus is fine, thank you very much, or an overly ascetic faith or an overly individualistic faith. Uh, there are balances on all of the sides, and it is true that the charismatic expression can slip into those unbalanced extremes. And uh, I think the interesting thing, though, is that when it's the charismatic tradition that does it, it's really on the nose, right? Like, all of a sudden, people are pulling out the snakes to handle in the service, right? Uh, and so it's like, <laughs> thank you, I'll skip that. I'll skip that one. Uh, we don't want to go to the snake handling. Um, however, uh, we do want to hold to the gifts. And so one of the best ways we can hold to the gifts is by naming the pitfalls. And so we'll start with naming a few pitfalls, and then we'll talk about how do we hold to the gifts in the midst of that. It is evident that it is possible to take the gifts of the Spirit and say no to the fruit of the Spirit. And I think we see that, right? We see people operating in genuine charismatic gifting, like some sort of meaningful, empowered ministry, and yet lacking the self-giving, co-suffering posture of God as they do it. And this leads to abuse, it leads to toxicity. Uh, and so we need to have the character to steward the charismatic gifting. Um, another pitfall is hyper-spiritualism only seeing the sacred in the supernatural and spectacular rather than in the mundane and the ordinary. We want to make space for all of it. Uh, and then it is possible to begin to use the spiritual gifts as a technology to control the supernatural. 
right? So like, I'm going to use this as a way of trying to actually manipulate God and others. I'm going to claim the authority of the Spirit in a way that allows me to control or say to God, hey, this is the formula we worked out, God, you need to do your part, which of course, God God kind of chuckles at and moves on, um, or, or to say to others, and this is where it becomes particularly toxic, right? Like, the Holy Spirit told me this. And now you're like, well, how can I argue with that, right? And so what we're looking for is the deep resonance, because the same Holy Spirit that offered that in them should bear witness in you and say yes. And so where we see the congruence and the resonance, maybe the Spirit's at work there. But if something in you goes, ah, I don't think so, right? Pay attention to that. You have the Holy Spirit too, right? And the last pitfall, we don't want to use the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit to discourage and denigrate rather than edify and encourage. I was in this service one time in a charismatic church that I grew up in. I was 18 years old. There were about 2,000 people in this service. And this guy is there, and he's doing prophetic prayer ministry, right? Which uh, he's out there, like, just sensing, like, what the Holy Spirit is sharing to him to share with other people. And I think a lot of it was genuine and really beautiful. Uh, and, and I think many people left encouraged that night. But then he got to me. And in front of 2,000 people, he looks at me and he goes, trouble is coming to you. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> trouble is certainly coming for you. Uh, I don't know what that meant, right? And I'm working at the church, right? So one of the, the, I'm the youth pastor at the church and I've just been called out in front of 2,000 people that trouble is coming to me. I ended up in a meeting later that week where the senior pastor asked what was he talking about and I'm like, I don't know what he was talking about. That was news to me, right? Uh, now, sometimes there's such a thing as genuine prophetic critique but let's not call people out in front of 2,000 people in a service, right? Uh, thankfully, I was able to laugh about that, not overly devastated by it. But I think it's worth naming that, like, it can be really painful or even traumatizing when someone uses the authority of God to <sighs> control or manipulate. Um, and, uh, and so we want to say that God is better news than that and that the Holy Spirit is for us and never against us. Having said that, wisdom comes in guarding against the abuse while holding to the healthy use, right? It is not wise to overreact to the opposite extreme and say, well, there, there's nothing good in there. And I think this is what Paul's getting at in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, do not quench the Spirit. And don't despise prophesying or these more spectacular, uh, uh, surprising spiritual gifts that, that break us out of the ordinary of everyday life. And he says, but test everything and hold on to the good. So let's talk about the gifts that we can hold on to that are good. I think the first one that comes to mind is that a spirit-empowered life keeps us from domesticating God. Uh, many of us have been around, quote-unquote, church for a long time. And we can easily get into the habits, the routines, the rituals, and there's something beautiful and formational about the shaping power of doing the same thing every week. But there's also something that can cause us to fall asleep. And the, the charismatic tradition helps us break out of where we might be falling asleep because sometimes, not predictably, not formulaically, but sometimes, God's deep magic shows up in our life right? Like the, the heavens break into our ordinary. And this doesn't always look spectacular. It doesn't always look supernatural, but it is meaningful. It is healing. It is powerful. 
It is loaded with the dunamis, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus really did heal. And healing really does happen. Like, I've seen it. I've seen people be healed <laughs> of things, like, in front of me. Why does that not happen more? I don't know. I have a friend whose daughter is in the hospital right now. And I don't know why we don't see the healing happen as often as we would like to see it. But it does happen. And Jesus really does speak. Prophecy happens. I told you about a really bad experience in the charismatic tradition. Let me tell you about a really good one. I was going through a season of uh, really uh, significant pain, and I was really discouraged, really confused, really bewildered, and it had been going on for years. And a friend of a friend heard that I was going through a hard time and said, hey, I'd love to pray for you. This is someone I've never met to this day. Never met them. They lived in a different state. I was in Indiana. They were in North Carolina. But this friend said, like, I just have... Uh, uh, sometimes a sense about what the Holy Spirit's asking me to share with other people. It was just very ordinary, very natural. And they said, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray with you. And so I called this person in the parking lot of Starbucks, and for 45 minutes, they just shared what they sensed God was speaking to me. This person never met me. And I'm furiously taking notes, because this person is reading my mail like you would not believe. And so much hope, so much wisdom. And I've gone back to that for years and years and years and held to it. And it has been like a bit of a compass kind of guiding me through some seasons. There is something powerful about the spirit breaking through in ways that surprise us. Eugene Peterson, who I'm quoting insufferably lately, sorry about that, uh, he says this, he says, there are of course miracles in biblical religion. We worship a God who does things for us that we cannot do for ourselves. God is not the sum total of our human understanding. God is other. Miracles are evidence that there are dimensions to God that with all our knowledge we have not been able to anticipate. To believe in a miracle is only a way of saying that God is free, free to do a new thing. God is not trapped in his own cosmic machine. The gospel message says, you do not live in a mechanistic world ruled by necessity. You don't live in a random world ruled by chance. You live in a world ruled by the God of Exodus and Easter, and he will do things in you that neither you nor your friends would have supposed possible. Wow. That's why I quote him so much. Um, yeah. So let's not domesticate God, because sometimes things that we never would have thought possible happen. Uh, number two, God gives us these gifts of these charisms for life. A charism is simply a gift of grace that Jesus offers to his church that it might be the image-bearing, kingdom-advancing church he has called it to be. And so in some ways, like, we're all given some little token of, like, a special superpower spiritually. And uh, again, that doesn't need to show up in weird ways. It can show up in very normal, ordinary ways, but be a superpower loaded with the power of the Holy Spirit. And scripturally speaking, these tend to fall into three categories. We have gifts of community building, gifts of empowered ministry, and gifts of leadership. And I want to invite you, I mean, we could spend weeks on those three things alone, but, but we're not going to. I invite you to consider, like, where's my gift in this? Because the Holy Spirit's given you spiritual gifts. Where does it fit in this? Some of you are just, like, deeply gifted at creating space, hospitality for others. Or, uh, or whatever. So, so lean into that. Uh, and as you lean into it, then let's do that in a cruciform, charismatic way. 
And what I mean by that is where I think the charismatic stream tends to get off balance is when it forgets that at the heart is meant to be the cross-shaped love of Jesus for the sake of others, right? Not the sake of building up whoever the minister is, not for the sake of control or power, but for the sake of pouring out the love of God. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus laid his life down. And so in the same way, that's how we experience love in these traditions. All right, let's keep going. We got two more Ps. We're going to do them quickly. Parakletos. This is the word in Greek that Jesus says, I will give you another one of me, another advocate. The parakletos literally can be translated as the defense attorney. And so the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the defense attorney is given to us that we might not have to defend ourselves. And this has become so meaningful to me, it's tattooed on my arm right here, um, which is painful. I don't know y'all who just keep getting tattoos. It, it, whew. Uh, I might be done with that whole thing. But Paracletos is tattooed right here as a way of reminding myself, I don't have to live armored up. I don't have to live in constant defense of myself. Now, I tattooed that because it's hard for me not to, not because I'm so good at it, but because I'm so bad at it. And this is the reminder written on my arm that like, I have a defense attorney. Jesus puts it this way. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I am coming to you. In that day and age, orphans had no legal defense, no legal advocate. There was no one to stand up for them in court. And Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm going to give you one who will defend you. And I want to free us then from versions of the Holy Spirit that may have been given to us that feel more like the Spirit is the prosecutor than the defense attorney. Because I think sometimes we start experiencing the Holy Spirit as the one, and there is a genuine conviction that comes with the Spirit, right? But when we start feeling like we're laboring under the shame of not being good enough, that's not the voice of the Spirit of God, the love of God poured out in our hearts. Um, God is our defender. Okay, uh, so finally, Pentecoste, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and what I call the try-harder fallacy. <laughs> uh, the Holy Spirit, she is given to us, and the overflow, the natural consequence, the result of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And just as a peach tree or an apple tree does not try really hard to produce apples or peaches, it simply is, and it simply is rooted, and as a result of the fact that it is alive and it is made to do so, the fruit just flows out of it. So there's an irony that the Holy Spirit is given, and sometimes we've been taught to try really, really hard to have that thing which was already given to us. This is not like the fruit of the Garden of Eden that had to be taken. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is given. Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so out of total gift, not out of trying hard, not out of doing all the right things, out of total gift, the Holy Spirit is given to you and the spirit-dependent life by its own very nature produces the overflowing fruit of love and joy and peace in our lives. And uh, we can just experience that, right? And just let that come. And uh, so there's an irony in the charismatic tradition where sometimes we feel like I have to try really hard to walk in God's power and I have to have the right kind of faith or pray the right way or have the right words to say, no, 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 no breath of God's peace in, 
breath of God's power out. It's as simple as our breathing. And that's the great gift that is given to us. Neither of these things are us dependent. So we're going to practice it now. Um, enough words. Let's practice it. And here's how we're going to try to practice it today. I'm going to invite us into what may be a bit of a stretching exercise or maybe one that you're like, I'm ready. Let's do this thing. Uh, and so what we're going to do, we have a prayer team that we have conjured up today. And uh, they're going to be standing on this back wall over here. We're going to take some time to sing some songs. And, uh, well, a song. As we sing a song, you're invited to one of two responses. Number one, sing the song with us, right? And, and let God meet you. But number two, if you are so led, I want to encourage you to consider going back and receiving prayer from someone. This was one of the most meaningful ways that God met me during my season of a lot of bewilderment and confusion uh, that I told you about earlier. It was just receiving prayer and letting someone agree with me. Jesus says, if you agree on touching anything, I will do it. And when two or three of you are gathered, there I am in the midst of it. And so here's how this works. Like as they were singing the song, I'll invite you to just go back, find anyone on that wall and say, will you pray for me or will you pray with me? And uh, they may ask you like, what would you like prayer for? And you can say as much or as little as you want because ultimately uh, God knows and God cares and let's just see what happens, right? Um, and uh, these are people who we love and trust and uh, people who I trust are gonna operate in the cruciform charisma of God. Let them pray with you um, and perhaps be so bold to respond in that way and let's just see how the Holy Spirit may move. So as David and Deanna lead us in this song, I'll invite us all to stand. And uh, as you stand, um, you can then be free to respond as you are led, but let's lean into what spirit-led prayer might look like as we say yes to this final leg of our table. Uh, let's pray.